Hi, I'm Dr. Amy Robbins and welcome to Life, Death and the Space Between podcast. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and medium. And here we explore life, death, consciousness and what it all means. Today, I have Coot Blackson on the show. Coot is utterly unique in the world of human potential. Unlike those who promise to help people get what they want, Coot's life work is instead reveals to people what they have to give by liberating who they are most truly and deeply. The focus, freedom. Coot's own background and experience lays out the blueprint for his approach to liberating others, setting their gifts and greatness free. Born in Ghana, West Africa, his multicultural upbringing as the child of a Japanese mother and Ghanaian father, raised in London and on four different continents, defies all stereotypes. He is the next generation world leader out to awaken millions to love and living their inspired destiny. His new book, The Magic of Surrender, is out now. Welcome to the show, Coot. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Hi, everybody. If you haven't had a chance yet to find me on Fireside, you can find my the link in my Instagram at Dr. Amy Robbins, and then head out over to Fireside. Fireside has been an awesome platform. I'm really enjoying the opportunity to interview my guests live and have audience participation. So if you, um, you can find the link in my bio on Instagram, you can follow me at fireside.com backslash Amy Robbins. Um, lots of ways to find me there and just join the conversation. You'll get alerted anytime I start a show. So head on over, check that out. Also, my Patreon page is up and running. A big thank you to everybody who has donated so far. I'm extremely grateful for your support. If you could donate, I would continue to be grateful for anybody who is able to contribute to supporting the show. And if you can't financially support the show, all I ask is that you maybe take a few minutes and rate and review the show. If you love it and also share the show with your friends and family who you think might be interested. This is, I believe, our way of collectively raising the consciousness of the planet, which is something that we definitely need right now more than ever. Also, you can find me on YouTube if you want to watch the videos. Follow me on Instagram at Dr. Amy Robbins. And of course, my newsletter, Dr. Amy Robbins at um, Dot com where you can sign up for that, which I which I have not been great about, but I promise, I'm actually not going to make a promise, but I'm going to really, really try harder to be better about my newsletter. I was consistent for a while and then summer hit and I decided I was going to take a little vacay. So summer's over and I'm going to be back at it. Enjoy this week's show. So let's start with, I want to start with sort of what was the beginning and the end for you, which was the the death of your mom. And she left you with these words, Coot, none of us has control in this life. Our demand that life go the way we want it is what causes so much suffering. Know that the degree to which you surrender determines the degree to which you are alive, the degree to which to which life can use you, the degree to which you can enjoy life. And she said that with a smile. So can you, can you talk about those sort of parting words and how that set you on this trajectory of surrender? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty straightforward. Uh, my mother 
when she was diagnosed with stomach cancer, I got to be with her for the entire year, uh, back and forth from LA to London. She was in London, I was in Los Angeles. And she never complained, you know, she never cried, complained, felt like a victim. And I really saw that the key to her freedom was in her surrender. She, it really hit me because I asked her when the doctor said that basically you're going to die and there's nothing we can do for you, nothing more. It's, this is it, it's days, weeks or months. And I said to my mother, are you afraid? And she said, I'm not afraid because I know I'm not just this body. She had a deeper understanding. And then, so I said to her, is there anything I, I can do for you as your son to make your final days? What can I do for you? What do you want? What do you need? And she just simply said, there's nothing I want. There's nothing I need. I just want what God wants for my life. And to those words you read, I realized that she wasn't attached to living. She wasn't attached to dying. She wasn't resisting living. She wasn't resisting dying. She was really just open to whatever the journey for her soul was in this lifetime. And it was such a beautiful place for her to be because she was truly surrendered to ultimately the highest good, the highest good for her life. I think in many ways, as human beings, we think that we know what we want for ourselves. And many of us sometimes as spiritual practitioners, we end up manifesting things in our life only to realize when, when we manifest it, this is not what I really wanted. Mm -hmm. And we're, le we're left feeling maybe unfulfilled, unhappy, it was like miserable. So now we got what we wanted, what we thought we wanted, but we're not really happy. And so sometimes what we think we want is only what we thought we wanted based on who we thought we were, which was a conditioned identity-based being for program from our past and childhood, et cetera, et cetera, generational patterns. And so what we think we want is just what we thought we wanted based on who we thought we were, but it's not what we really wanted. It was just what we thought we wanted. And, and so many times our goals and our dreams can be uh, projections of unmet needs from childhood of what we think we want. And so for me, my mother really taught me uh, the I really realized it was in how she lived her entire life. That's what I was going to ask is, was she, did you experience her as this spiritual throughout your life? Yeah, I mean, she, 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 she was always spiritual. You know, this was my mother. She's, she's deep spiritual being, but she was just my mother, you right. know, but she was always deep, always spiritual, always God, universe, life. But I realized that my mother was a truly enlightened being. And she wasn't enlightened because she had a great halo or she, you know, wearing all these robes with thousands of followers touching her feet. And she didn't need to be known. She didn't need to be famous. She didn't need to have a great following. Uh, I always thought of my father as this enlightened being because he was the guru, the teacher, had 300 churches and the miracle worker. And, and everyone knew my father as this great man. My mother ran life and so mm. appeared quite normal. But I realized that it was in her egolessness and her surrender that really the depth of her surrender, even in the face of her death. Many times we can be all surrendered when things are going well. Well, you know, right. I surrender if it goes my way. I right. surrender if, right? Right. But here she was going to die. The doctor's life saying, you're going to die. There's no way out. And her equanimity and her peace and her dedication and her trust in the universe's unfolding didn't waver. That, for me, was living proof that you couldn't fake. And I realized 
this is a little enlightened being like my mother mm-hmm. and, 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 and her greatness was in her surrender. She, it was a woman who served people with everything she had. She sought no fame. She sought nothing. Here was a woman who married a man from Africa. This is a whole other story. She married my father from Africa, having never met him, never seen him, never spoken to him, agreed to marry him because she felt that this was what she was guided to do. And this is surrender. And so I realized she had been living surrender her entire life. And that was the beauty uh, and the power of this woman and it really really inspired me so i think we're actually too we're moving as a humanity as i look at the last year pandemic covid whatever label we want to put on it on one level but i believe we are in a uh, global evolutionary spiritual process as a humanity where we are being initiated uh, and upgraded as a humanity as a civilization into a uh a uh, more aligned way of living as humans, which is really about surrender. We've been in a global surrender meditation for the last year, year and a half, you know, and, and, and it's a surrender seminar, so to speak, where we don't know what's going to happen anymore. We're going to have to, we, we have to give up this idea that we know because we don't, what's going to happen and where we're going to go and lockdown, up down, this down. And so I really believe that we're being initiated into a deep way of being, which is about living more in alignment with the divine, living more in alignment with our souls, with our true essence, moving from an ego-based, shall we say, way of living life, which is all about what do I want for myself? What do I want? What's my goal? And I think so much of even self-help, personal development, you know, feel has been about what do you want? Go get it, make it happen. But I think that's limited. You can create life and manifest life that way, but the mind and the ego is limited in its ability to perceive and project what is truly the highest possibility in a given moment. And so I think we're being forced to move, we're being invited, I should say, to move to a different way of perceiving and living, which is really about asking ourselves a different question. Not what do I want, but what is it that life wants through me? What is it that life wants to express through me? What is the deepest impulse of what the universe wants to manifest through me, live through me, create through me, and for us to align with that deeper intention, align with that fuller intention, align with that bigger intention so that we can tap into, we can go beyond personal power, ego power and personal power to soul power, soul force. And I think that's what we're being invited to. Yeah, and and you say in your book, surrender plus trust equals magic. Control plus resistance equals suffering. And I think to your point, I think we see this dichotomy right now, right? The people who are resisting the reality that we're in are the ones who seem to be suffering more. And the people who are accepting that this is where we are right now in our humanity and what can we do to align with our soul in a way that moves us forward are the people who aren't experiencing this this time with fear and um, trepidation, but really with like, a, okay, how can I use this to move move forward? Yeah. yeah, for sure, for sure. So can you speak a little bit to, let's talk ego and soul, uh, because I think that this is something, I'm going to read another excerpt of your book. I love pulling things out of the book. So you say ego will stay in relationship with someone you know is wrong, forcing it to work because you think you should be together. 
Soul lives in total honesty and integrity. Ego mm. attempts to do the more advanced pose in yoga. Mm. This is a very practical example. <laughs> so you can look good. Soul mm. tunes into what the body needs, knowing there's nothing to prove. Yeah. Ego seeks what society deems success, even though it isn't what you are meant to do and still leaves you feeling empty. Soul knows that the true success is being who you truly are and living authentically. So I'm going to stop there because I think, I think a lot of people struggle with knowing who they really are. Yeah. yeah. We, we, look, from childhood, we've been conditioned, you know, just to back up, to give people some context, uh, uh, spiritually and then developmentally. We're born into this physical dimension in existence. And we're born as children. We're, we're in touch with the infinite. We're born free. You know, we're, we're, you look into a child's eyes, child is alive. Doesn't matter if you were a drug dealer, if you're Mother Teresa, every child that's born in that beginning moment is full of life, full of divine, full of essence, full of non-judgment, you know, and a child, you look into a child's eyes, we're reminded of our own purity, of our, of our own essence. Innocence. That's, yeah, innocence. That's yeah. why we, we just melt. We're not conditioned with pain and trauma and what have you. The challenge is we are all born into a structure and a framework, a preset, preconditioned framework that is based on stories uh, that is based on our generational patterns, our parents, our grandparents, et cetera, et cetera, passed down karma, you know, addictions, unresolved issues passed down. And so now we're born into this preset framework that is that has been there before us. Now we have to live inside of this and we meet our parents and our parents, they're just doing the best that they can do based on their life, their parents, their conditioning, et cetera, et cetera. And they're conditioned themselves. And so maybe our parents, and so we all face some kind of dysfunction and trauma as human beings. Maybe our parents weren't around, maybe they were fighting, maybe they were alcoholic, maybe there's mental, uh, mental health issues, maybe there was abuse, sexual, mental, emotional, maybe they were good people, they just weren't emotionally connected and weren't able to meet our needs. So whatever level of the spectrum from as, as children, we're born into this environment and two things happen. The first thing, where the conditioning begins, where we start losing touch with our true authentic essence is we start learning all sorts of strategies and mechanisms and, uh, and, and ways of being to disconnect and avoid the pain of what we're experiencing. So we shut down, disconnect, not feel. Shut down, disconnect, not feel. Suppress the feelings. The feelings don't go anywhere. They just layer inside of us and begin to cloud our connection to source, cloud our connection to our truth, cloud our connection to our authenticity. And so that light that we are, the pure essence that we are, that pure consciousness that we are, begins to be sort of buried underneath the layers and layers and layers and layers and layers and mountain of unprocessed, suppressed feelings, pain, hurt, guilt, shame, resentment that we've learned to not feel so that we can function and survive in life. And so that's one part that happens. The other part is we begin to uh, go through life with this idea of, you know, maybe dad says, boys don't cry, <clears throat> we suppress. Maybe dad says girls should be seen and not heard or so someone says. And so we start learning through the look, through the behavior, through the reinforcement. Who do I need to be in order to be loved? Who do I need to be in order to be validated, loved, accepted? And how do I get love? And so we start to contort ourselves right into a certain pattern, into a certain framework, into a certain way of being 
to get love, validation, and approval by developing all sorts of roles, characters, masks, shall we call them personas, that are just ways of being to be loved, to be validated, that we hold tightly onto to avoid the pain, to get love. Avoid pain, get love. And we now hold tightly onto that. It gets reinforced through our behavior and life. And we, we go through life tightly holding onto this way of being that then becomes our identity. And we start thinking, well, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. I, I, I am the quiet one. I am the shy one. But we don't realize we're just conditioned to be that way. I am the uh, attention-seeking one. I am the over-responsive one, the caretaker, the nice guy, the nice girl. This is just who I am. We don't realize. So we start thinking that's who we are, but we don't realize it's just who we've been conditioned to be. So the degree that we have been conditioned is the degree to which, or stuck in our conditioning, is the degree to which we're not truly free to live life and fulfill our true potential. And so over time, through life, through experiences, we start really believing and identifying ourselves as this persona that we become, which is really, and the degree to which we hold on to that is really ego. Ego isn't good or bad. Ego is a process of conditioning and identification with name, form, patterns, memories, feelings, beliefs, et cetera, et cetera, that we hold so tightly onto that it creates a sense of separation with our true selves and others. And so- So what's your recommendation in terms of integrating those pieces? I know what uh, mine would be, but I want to hear yours. I I would just say, first, we have to be aware that we're conditioned because many times we're not even aware that we're conditioned. We think that who we are is who we really are, and it's not. So we actually have to start being aware that we're conditioned. So how do you you get that awareness? First, be aware that you're you're conditioned. So just today, everybody, as you're listening, first step, you've been conditioned. Be aware that you're conditioned because we're not even conscious of the fact that we're conditioned. And I think pain can be a great uh, gift uh, to start pushing you to the awareness of your conditioning. Because when we're in our conditioning, many times we start creating situations and creating problems and creating pain and creating patterns and, you know, sabotaging ourselves. and, and, And at a certain point, that pain should trigger in us a willingness to question ourselves. That pain is a gift and a messenger to say, wait a second, something's not quite right. Wait a second, I've abandoned myself. Wait a second, I've learned to be nice and shut down and pretend to be. But something, the fact that I'm feeling pain, something is not working about how I am going about life, what I'm doing, how I'm behaving, and how I'm expressing. Something's not working. So the pain is a gift. So pay attention to where you feel the pain and use that pain as feedback, use that pain as a mechanism, use that pain as a a feedback mechanism to question yourself. Is this what I really believe? Is this who I really am? Is this true for me? You know, one of the places to begin, let me just break it down practically for a second. Mm -hmm. One of the places I think people can begin, or one of the things that keeps us stuck, which is based on what we've learned to do, are all the ways that we lie to ourselves. When we suppress our feelings, a way of lying to ourselves. When we pretend to be someone that we're not, we're lying to ourselves. So I think one of the places we can begin is to look at what lies am I telling myself? What lies am I telling myself that, I, that I'm aware of or that I'm not even aware of? And start being really simply honest, ruthlessly, compassionately honest about the lies that we're telling ourselves. Number two, really look at and explore 
But if you're telling yourself lies, then you're telling yourself lies. So how do you know where your truth is? I'm I'm going there. Okay. And so the second place is to ask yourself, what am I pretending to not know? What am I pretending to not know? Because many times we'll play a game of confusion to protect ourselves and protect our sense of identity because that's who we know ourselves to be. So what am I pretending to not know? There's a part of us deep down that knows everything. We know there's a part of us that knows. We've just disconnected from that. The third thing I'll say is really ask yourself and feel what is the cost of these lies? What, and, and basically it's the willingness to feel the pain. I talked about pain a second ago. Feel the pain. Many times when we feel the pain, We've learned to distract from it. We've learned to sex it away, drink it away, smoke it away, eat it away, social media away, biz work it away, just so that we don't feel the pain. But that pain is feedback to us saying, something is not aligned, something is not working. We need to look at something. So if you're lying to yourself, how do you know you're lying to yourself? If you're lying to yourself because you're stuck in lying to yourself. Right, Here, right. I'm, I, will, I am going to do my best to bust you today that you will no longer be able to say that you don't know. And here's how. Here are the signs that you're lying to yourself. Number one, you will feel some kind of emotional internal pain. For instance, depression. You might feel depressed. You might feel resentful. And there's gonna be some emotion. If you're lying to yourself, but you're not sure, you're going to feel some internal anger, some internal, but sometimes we don't like, I have people tell me, I don't know why I feel depressed. Everything's fine. It's fine. I don't know, but I'm depressed. The depression can be a sign, even if you think you're not lying to yourself, that you're lying to yourself. Pay attention. It's a signal. Maybe there's some deeper feeling, emotion, truth, desire that you're not connecting to, that you're suppressing. So that's one thing. The other thing is sometimes, uh pay attention to any physical mm. ailments like physical right. pain back ache shoulder ache you know i many times that suppressed emotion of when we're suppressing our truth can manifest in our physical body as an unconscious signal of hey something is not quite being uh, attended to here so it manifests because the body has an intelligence. It might manifest, as you know, too, I'm sure, in some, phys- especially if we're suppressing consistently, some physical dis-ease, mm-hmm. you know, cancer, uh, diabetes, some physical dis-ease because the body has an intelligence, too, that, that suppressed, consistently suppressed emotion that we're not in touch with, that we're not telling ourselves the truth about is manifesting physically in some way. It can manifest... Um, another way. It can manifest when we're not truly uh, honoring our truth, uh, or we really feel when we're lying to ourselves, we're not flowing. Our true feeling is not flowing from us out into the world. So there's a blockage. Our energy doesn't flow. It's not harmonious. It's not synchronized. It's not flowing. It's stuck. So as a result, everything is energy. Uh, life, when we're lying to ourselves, life tends to stop flowing and events tend to stop flowing. You know, when you're living life and things are in the flow, life tends to stop flowing sort of harmoniously. Right. And those are the people that people say, oh, their life seems so easy. Right. Everything uh, seems to fall into place for them. But I think there's different reasons for that, too, which we, we can get to that. But in terms of the flow, I think when we're not truly in integrity with ourselves, likely for sure, 
things won't flow. Mm-hmm. Life won't flow. Events won't flow. There's going to be some static where things don't flow because our energy isn't flowing. So that's something I've noticed to pay it. Like pay attention. Like, geez, why, why is nothing flowing? Why is this stagnant and that stagnant and that's not working? And it almost mismatched. feels like there's roadblocks, right? Like road, everywhere you road, go, you hit a roadblock. Roadblocks. Road that can be one way. The last way that you might, for those that are not sure if they're lying to themselves, is how you can also uh, maybe have a clue or a signal. Take a look in your life because you might tend to attract or manifest people in your life that are angry, resentful, frustrated, basically people that are acting acting out because you're not in touch with that pain or that hurt or that frustration of being disconnected. You may attract people in your life that play out, that act out your own internal suppression, your own internal suppressed feeling about the the disconnect, about the the internal lie, about the internal abandonment, right? So So they're serving as the mirror for what you are not telling yourself. And, and, and so I hear people say, why is that person so angry? I keep attracting angry people. Mm, it's reflecting to you some mirror, something that you're not dealing with, but I'm not lying to myself. Coot. Well, when you keep attracting people that are resentful and angry, frustrated, take a look. So these are just mm-hmm. a few signals to go, huh? If one of these six, you know, five or six things keep it happening, take a look. Where am I lying? You might not think you're lying to yourself, but there's a chance that there's some lie you're telling that you can then use that, one of these things as feedback to go deeper and check in with yourself and feel your truth, connect mm-hmm. with your truth. Another way to connect- Which by the way is not easy to do. I just want to put that out there. This is not, this is an easy work, right? Like I, I think it's, it's challenging to look at, okay, what are the, where, where am I not being truthful with myself? It, it and to be honest, because I think oftentimes people- don't want to give up, right? Like, let's just take a, this might not be a super simple example, but people who have gone to school, right? They've gone to college maybe or graduate school for a certain degree. And it's not aligned. It's not what they wanted to do. They did it because their parent was that or their mother was that. And I think you had this experience, right? With your dad, you wanted to be, um, you wanted to sort of be this, sought after, which you know are in a different way, but sought after spiritual leader and you were going one direction. And I think it's really hard for people when they have committed time, money, whatever it is, people do this in relationships, right? They say, I knew when I walked down that aisle, this was not right. Um, But they don't turn back because they feel they're too deep into it. And then they only get deeper into it. Yeah, because yeah. where they are is not as far as where they will go if they're not listening to their truth. Yeah. The challenge is if you live a lie. See, what I had to, to, to realize, uh, I didn't want to go down a path. My father had 300 churches. He had my life set out for me. And he was the one that decided that my son is taking over my ministry and going to be the successor and the next big thing. And I knew that that wasn't right. But I think it's important to realize that if you, if you do, and my, my fear was if I dare to be myself, if I dare to speak my truth to my father and tell him I'm not taking over at the age of 14, this was, I was 14 years old. And my fear was I would be outcast, lose his love, be abandoned, be alone. And it was terrifying. For like most of us, we are mm-hmm. deeply afraid to, like if you, we have this fear, if you know who I really am, 
you won't love me. And so we've been conditioned to hide that. And, and so for me, it was difficult. It was challenging. But I, but I knew that if I live a lie, and if you live a lie, then likely, and you create a life based on that, people loving you, success, etc. you will only keep yourself in a sort of trap or a prison because if you start living a lie, you're going to have to keep living that life for the rest of your life. And so for me, I looked into my future that was preset for me by everybody else, not myself. Something wasn't aligned. And when I turned 18, I looked into my future and I realized I could be successful by everyone else's standards. But if I don't have myself, if I don't have my truth, if I don't have my own soul, what do I have? And it was so painful to feel that. Mm -hmm. And that's why I encourage people to not avoid the pain. Not if you're doing something that's not aligned, the pain is a gift. The pain is a messenger. The pain is a signal. Feel the pain. Feel it. Let the pain burn. It, it, it's healthy that the pain's there. It's not healthy to wallow in the pain, but it's right. healthy that the pain is there because to me, the pain is a signal. Like if you're not aligned, if you're not living your truth, if you're not living what's in alignment with your soul, it's meant to be painful. It's not like, it's not like, well, you're living not aligned, you're lying to yourself, not being true, not being honest. And I feel in bliss where some, something's off. So the pain is a signal. It's a blessing. It's a feedback. We just have to learn to have the courage to pay attention. But what I would say just to make it easier for people, because it can, as you said, it can be scary mm -hmm. to, to face the truth. Like, oh my God, if I face the truth, then what's going to happen to my relationship? What does that mean? I have to leave my job and how will I survive? And because of those fears of the consequences, we tend to suppress the truth and run away from the truth and avoid the truth and put our heads in the sand. But you have to realize that you will have to deal with it at some point. Oh, yeah. So it's like a whack-a-mole. I always say it's like that game, like you're going to whack it down. It'll pop back up somewhere else as something else in a relationship, in your job, in your physical body, whatever it is. Yeah. What you don't deal with will deal with you at some point. You, mm -hmm. you will deal with it. You can't not deal with it. It will deal with you. And so what I would invite people to do is just give yourself the permission, the permission to acknowledge the truth. Take the pressure. Here's a step. Take the pressure off of having to take action. And mm -hmm. what does that mean? And oh my God, just like, like realize, give yourself the permission. You don't have to take action. You don't ever have to take action. Just acknowledge the truth. But when you take the pressure off of, I got to do something about it now. I have to take action because Coot said, or I acknowledged it, or Amy said, no, just give yourself permission to acknowledge the truth. And that's it. Because when you take the pressure off, it's like, okay, I'm in a relationship that I know is not right. It's not aligned. Okay. Be with that. No pressure of like, I have to tell her, right. I have to do something, I have to get a divorce. Just start with, mm -hmm. I'm not in love anymore. Yeah. And just feel that. Yep. Just feel that. Because when that, I, yeah, I mean, when I work that with feeling. people, one of the things that I often say is there's no rush to do something. What you will need will make itself clear in time when you are listening to your soul. Sure. sure. Yeah. And so when you just feel like, wow, I'm not in love with my wife. It's painful, it's scary. 
but just feel it. Because all the feelings that start arising begin the process inside. But when we're so afraid of, oh my God, I'm going to have to do something. And what does this mean for my family? It's just, then we don't even feel it. And then we continue. But if we give ourselves the space and the gentleness and the compassion to just feel our feelings, then we can allow that process to work inside of us. And it starts to move us in the direction of deeper truth. So start with the permission to feel, acknowledge your truth and feel. That's it. That's it. That's the beginning. So, right. So that so you covered my question about excavating truth, because I think we we uh, nailed that one. Um, let's talk. I loved this one. The miracle mindset. OK, let's talk about that, because because I think a lot of people think miracles are like these. The skies open. The <laughs> angels come in. They're singing. You hear them. You see them. You are now enlightened. Right. And it's not the way that you frame it in the book. It's actually much different than that. So talk to us about that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen a, uh, an angel float from the sky. And <laughs> <laughs> if I did, it might be a little like su- suspect, but right, no, right. In, in all seriousness, um, I think a miracle is this moment. I tell people that if you really want to see a miracle, a miracle, just look in the mirror. Let, let, let's get, let, let's just get off of a spiritual sort of conversation for a second. Let's just get biological. Right. Just it is amazing. Tune, tune, just tune into your body and feel your body. The breath that's happening. Every moment is a breath. Like you and I, whoever's listening in, you, you had breakfast this morning. Maybe you had a piece of toast or an egg or a, 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 an apple. How is it that you eat this apple and you digest it, but your hand doesn't turn into an apple? You ate the apple, it went into your body, and your hand doesn't turn into an apple. How? What, what happened? Like, how is that possible? Your, your ear doesn't turn into an apple. There is an intelligence inside of you. There is an intelligence. Call it whatever you want. Innate intelligence, divine intelligence, infinite intelligence, consciousness, life force, energy, blah, blah, blah. There's an intelligence that knows exactly what to do. In your body, right now you're breathing, I'm breathing, we're breathing, is listening to this conversation, breath is happening. You're not sitting here going, oh my God, I have to breathe, 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 I have to breathe. It's just happening in spite of you. Right now there are trillions and trillions in cells and we don't pay attention to this. You know, Part of it is paying attention to the miracles that already is you, me, us. There's trillions of cells and trillions of processes happening inside of your body. Just even listen to this conversation right now. It's happening in spite of you. So I think when we can allow ourselves to bring our attention to that deeper dimension of ourselves and feel that and acknowledge that there is an innate intelligence, you cut your finger, it knows what to do. There's an innate intelligence that knows how to unfold your body, knows how to heal you, knows what to do. This same intelligence is functioning the sun, the star, the moons, the clouds, all of existence. It knows what to do. It knows how to flow in your life if you're willing to trust it. How can you not trust it? I tell people, like, really? How can you not trust? Like, Mm -hmm. every moment is proof. I've never woken up in the morning at 10 a.m. Maybe you've had this experience. And 10 a.m., midday, it's pitch black. The sun shines. Like, oh, what happened to the sun? It forgot to come out today. It's just every day, like clockwork, there's a rhythm, there's an intelligence, there's a cycle of nature. And so, so much of life is proof that we can trust it. We can trust life. 
And sometimes you might be in a moment and, it, and things or an experience, a relationship, a situation doesn't make sense in the moment because we're only able to see a situation in a moment from the current level of our consciousness and conditioning, uh, but we're only able to see a situation from our current lens. And so we're not able to see the multidimensional levels of what is happening in a moment. And so sometimes when something happens or something doesn't go according to what we want, we think something's wrong, we get mad, we get obsessed, upset, we get depressed, we, we feel you know, dejected, so to speak. But sometimes not getting what you thought you wanted is actually grace. It's actually a blessing. Mm -hmm. And even though you're not able to see in the moment what's happening, there is an intelligence. I believe the universe is always working for your highest good, even if you can't see it right now. And if you look at your life, if you, folks, if you look at your life, think about all the things that didn't happen, that you really wanted to happen, that the way it unfolded was better than what you thought. Right, right. Was, and even the things that you thought were worse than you thought, if they didn't happen, you may not have met your husband. You may not have met your spouse. You may not have had your kid. You may not have met your best friend. And even the things, in, or, or even if you think about, for instance, um, that relationship, maybe 10, 5, 10 years ago, that you so, like, I really want this to happen. You so wanted it to happen. You were like, this is the one. Yeah. And you were in love. You planned your future. And you broke up. You couldn't, you were devastated. You couldn't imagine. You were mad at God. But maybe now three, five, 10 years later, you look back and go, thank God that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And so we have to learn to trust, to trust that even if you can't see it or, or understand it right now, there's an intelligence that's unfolding. Look at Mandela, 27 years in prison. Can you imagine 27 years? We've been dealing with COVID for a year. 27 times 27 years in prison in a cell for just trying to help people, you know, trying to help humanity. So from, from the level lens of the ego, it looks messed up. Mm -hmm. From the lens of the ego, it looks wrong. It looks bad. But from the perspective of the soul, right. it's a perfect soul development unfolding that needed to happen on two levels because perhaps it took 27 years for him to dig deep and develop the spiritual, mental, emotional, soul force, forgiveness, compassion, vision, reflection so he could fulfill his vision. But also, I think on a global level, it prepared the world for Mandela. And so we were that much more receptive so that when he was let out, he was able to have the change, affect the change that he was able to make. So from one level, should he have not spent 27 years in prison? Would it have been better or not? So from the, level, from, the, from the bigger perspective, I believe there is an intelligence that's unfolding our lives, is living us and breathing us. And so I think the more we can stop projecting into a moment, what we think something means. So really, it's the willingness to not know. You know, the mind is constantly trying to know. That's how it, we try to control everything. And we think we know what something is. We try to make a meaning about what something is, about what a relationship is, but we don't realize that when we attach to the meaning of knowing what something is, we actually limit life. Because the mechanism that we use to make meaning of something is our minds, is our egos, is our personas, which is conditioned and limited. So I think part of surrender is the willingness to say, I don't know. 
I'm not sure. I, I don't know. That's not a, a giving up. It's an openness. It's a bigger openness to say, I don't know what this means, but I'm open to finding out. And so the willingness then to live in a state of curiosity. I don't know what this is. I'm not going to project onto this moment or the future what I think is going to be, what I think is going to happen, what, but I'm going to allow life to show me. I'm going to allow life to reveal to me. I'm going to allow life to lead me. And I believe that in that state of surrender. And trust, mm -hmm. right? That's and surrender trust. plus trust. Because you and have so, to, yes. you can surrender, but if you don't trust, then in the magic isn't going to happen. In that surrender and trust, uh, life often unfolds more than you can imagine. What I will say, though, the magic is always happening. The magic is always happening. We're not always available to the magic. Right. <laughs> or or Sometimes aware. We're, we're not aware of the magic. We're not paying attention to the magic or we're blocking the magic because we think that the magic should be something else. Like Mandela going, mm, the, the experience I'm having is not the experience I should be having. I shouldn't be in prison for 27 years. I'm going to propose that that was the magic too, that if that didn't happen, he would not be mm -hmm. the Mandela that we know that even though he's dead, still lives on mm -hmm. in so many people. He's still having an impact that probably he wouldn't have had had he never been to prison. And so I think the openness to, to say, I don't know, but I'm available. That's a key. So last thing I want to cover, and we could cover a lot more, is purpose. Okay. A lot of people talk about purpose. I need to find my purpose. I need to live my purpose. I need to be on purpose versus that's the ego versus the soul, which says what you and I are doing here in this moment, right? The second is our purpose. Yeah. Every moment of life is the purpose of life. You know, ego wants to... Uh, find something. It wants to seek and seek and seek and seek. Here's the, here's the principle of the ego. It wants to seek and seek and seek and seek and seek, but never find. Because seeking is part of the ego's way of reinforcing its identity, reinforcing itself. So if I'm constantly seeking, then ego is like, I exist, but it doesn't have any real existence when we realize what it is and what it isn't. You know? And so I tell people, Stop trying to find your purpose. Number one, realize every moment is your purpose. Number two, from a spiritual level, we are souls incarnated in this human experience, you know, and every experience, every relationship, everything is part of our soul's evolution. Life is the classroom for our soul's evolution. When we realize that the purpose of life is our evolution, to realize who we are, to love more, to share gifts with the world, and to evolve, to realize our true essence, to remember our true identity, when we really get that, that's the purpose of life, no matter what we're doing or what we're not doing. Well, everything that we do is just a vehicle for that realization and that awakening. Then it's less about what we do and what we don't do. And it's more about learning the lessons we need to learn through every relationship and every situation. To me, this is what's really important, mm -hmm. the learning and the evolution. And so the purpose of life is your evolution. So regardless of whether you're doing this or whether you're doing that, that doesn't mean it wouldn't be nice to do things that are aligned more with your personality, for sure. But regardless of what you're doing, so long as you're growing, evolving, learning, becoming more of who you really are moment to moment, you're living the purpose for existence. You're living the purpose. In terms of individual purpose as a clue that I point people in the direction to, I would say stop looking for your purpose 
seeking your purpose can also be uh, an avoidance of sharing your gifts as you are now. Because I'm always mm. looking for my purpose and what's my purpose. Then, then you don't have to live your purpose and just start where you are. So I tell people, start where you are and go in the direction that makes you come alive. Go in the direction of your deepest impulse, your deepest truth makes you come alive and just begin. And you find that as you take one step, life reveals to you the next. As you take another step, life reveals to you the next step. And your purpose is revealed to you in the process of living life itself. And all of a sudden, five years, 10 years, you might find, wow, I'm actually, I lived into my purpose and it wasn't quite what I thought. But if you don't take that step, that may not be your ultimate thing. Right. If you don't take that step because, ah, that's not that big deal, that's not that important, then you don't go on the journey that your soul needs to go to learn to become who you need to be, to learn what you need to learn to go to the next step because you're so busy thinking that step is not that important. But if you take the step, you learn the lessons, then you unlock the key to the next step and then you become more and more in the process of life itself. Mm -hmm. Final thing I would just say is when you realize how sacred each moment is, if you truly want to live your purpose and be entrusted with more and more in life, simply look around. If you want to impact life, if you want to make a difference, look around and respond to the need in the moment. Look around and ask yourself, what is the need in the moment in my life right now? Many times, and I was guilty of this, many times we look around like, oh, I want to change the world. I want to create a revolution. I want to impact. I want to you know, do these huge things. And the person next to us needs help. And we right. don't help that person next to us because we're so busy thinking about this big purpose that we're going to live that we don't respond to the need in the moment. And I would say, sure, you, you know, rather than waiting to be put on the stage or rather than waiting to do that big thing, maybe see how you can serve the person down the street or your neighbor. Right. Maybe just make sandwiches. Or your community. Right. Your community. Maybe just making sandwiches every day, every week for some of the homeless people. Start where you are with what you have exactly as you are. Then life gives you more. Life gives you more. Life gives you more. Well, that was a beautiful way to end. So thank you so much. I'm so grateful for your time. We had a little bit of technical difficulties in the beginning. So we sorted those through. Um where can people find you if they're interested in learning more about your work, what you do, who you are, your book, sure, sure. The Magic? Yeah, people, thank you for having me. People can find me, uh, obviously my book, The Magic of Surrender. Love for everyone to check it out. Wrote it with, it was not the book I thought I was going to write, but the book with, that was destined. But the book uh, that, that was written was by your soul. Written. Right? Yes. Yeah, I had to surrender to the book that was right. seeking to be written. Uh, it's available on Amazon. You can go to also themagicofsurrender.com to find out more. Uh, my website, coopblackson.com. Check out all my info there uh, in terms of events and online events. Uh, also, I do a 12-day journey in Bali when Bali's open, uh, www.boundlessblissbali.com. That sounds uh, like that would be amazing. It's blissful, for sure. Well, thank you so much for, for your time me. today. And um, we, I know that my listeners will take away a lot from this conversation. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Wondering what comes next and what it all means? Head over to Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. Also, if you could take a minute to rate and review my podcast, I would really appreciate it. 
Stay tuned as we continue to explore life, death, and the space between.